And good morning. It is a Monday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. I am Glenn. Griffin is back. My voice almost came back with it, which was nice. Close. Not quite there, but close. You don't have to be as quick to fade it out. Griffin, you can let it go for a second and then fade it out. It's it's okay. You know, we can go that route. Um, I hope you all had a great weekend. Uh, it was hot as hell on Saturday. Yesterday was kind of nice, though. It was like a, a nice day in Baltimore in this economy, which I did not expect. Got a lot to do on the program today. <clears throat> mm, there we go. There, there's that lovely. One of these days, one of these days, my voice will actually be back, and I look forward to that. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I look forward to that day. I'll settle for just the Macy Gray voice coming through, like the sexy raspy voice. Even if it ain't mine, I'll take that. What I'm getting right now is I can talk for like a second, then at some point the mucus is just like, no, no, settle down, chief. We're still hanging out. I, I don't know what's going on. I've talked to more and more people about this. It, it's, it's allergies, but it's like super allergies. It's like uh, the government has weaponized allergies against us. They've turned all the frogs gay, and now they're weaponizing the pollen to try to kill us. All the globalists and the fascists, they're all coming to get us. Yeah, it was nice to be out of Maryland, away from the pollen for a little bit. God damn, man. Somebody said to me the other day, I was explaining. uh, I had a great time, by the way, at the Baltimore 10-miler this weekend, uh, hanging out with the folks from uh, Corrigan Sports. It was great to be there. And I saw a bunch of you guys. You were crossing the finish line, wanting to die. I, I remember. I've ran it. It is unpleasant. Um, and I was talking to uh, Booker Corrigan on Friday ahead of time. I was like, hey, Book, I'm just warning you, man. Like, I don't sound great. I just don't want people to think that it's COVID. Like, I don't want people to be, like, terrified of me because it's not COVID. It's allergies. And he was like, dude, I know. He said the other day I was in – oh, he went up to uh, Connecticut for the lacrosse Final Four. He said on my way back, I don't remember where he said he was – but he said he saw a giant plume of just pollen. I'm like, I've never seen that before. I wouldn't even know what that looks like. I wouldn't know how to, like, what I, it would feel like I was in a derecho back when I was in Arizona, and I would suddenly driving along, and a sandstorm would hit, and I'd be like, is, is the world coming to an end? Is time standing still? What am I watching? It seems like you're in Mad Max Fury Road. I, I, am, I have no idea how to describe it, but I am convinced that the government has weaponized the pollen against us. And we have to stand up and do something about it. We don't do anything about anything else in the country. We have the gas prices, nah. The gun problem, nah. In fact, that we're overturning rovers, we're, nah, we'll just go with that. Maybe do something about something. Something at all. Fix it. Anything at all. One thing. Everything in the grocery store costs way more. Nah, we can we, we deal with it. Fix one thing. I'm asking for the pollen. Do something about the fact that this has been the worst allergy season in the history of the universe. Again, don't feel like I'm asking for that much. Please, please do something to help us. That's all I ask. I'm Glenn Clark, and I approve this message. Coming up in a few minutes. Dana Hughes. Um... Former baseball and football player, not only is he calling the College Park Regional 
for uh, ESPN tonight. Maryland gets another try with UConn, so they've gone. Uh, they've split the first two. This one will decide who moves on to the Super Regionals next weekend. Thriller last night ended up in extra innings before Maryland was able to hold on and beat UConn to force a finale tonight. We'll talk to Danon Hughes about that. He's also the um, the color analyst for the Kansas City Chiefs, so we'll talk a little bit about that as well. Danon Hughes joins us a little bit later on this hour. Coming up later on in the morning, we will uh, catch up with uh, John Lamoth, or Jonathan Lamoth, but I believe he goes by John. It's just J-A-H-N. It's a different way to spell John. It's, we'll, be all, we'll all be okay. We can handle this. We're big boys. We can do this. Uh, John Lamoth has become the first high school player to commit to Kevin Willard since Kevin Willard took over as the head coach at the University of Maryland. He's from St. Francis right here in Baltimore. He'll be coming to Maryland in 2023. We're going to chat with John Lamoth about why it is that he chose to come to Maryland and be Kevin Willard's first high school recruit. It's also a Monday, so we'll chat with Jeremy Kahn. We'll talk about the Orioles. We'll talk about all sorts of stuff. Jeremy Kahn joins us later on in the program. So that's all on the way here on a Monday edition of the show. Today's show is also brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. I know it was uh, great crowds in there for games one and two of the NBA Finals. And if you want to be there for games three or four of the NBA Finals, what you need to do is email events at sportssocialmd.com. That's events at sportssocialmd.com. There's no better place to be. 61 self-service kiosks for you to get all your bets in, and they offer so many props during the course of the NBA Finals. It is crazy that Steph Curry averaging 25 points a game and the Warriors winning. I feel pretty good about it, although I guess still the Celtics have a slight advantage as they now have home court advantage uh, in the series, but I, I, I don't know. I think there's a long way to go in this thing, man. I think there is a long, long way to go in the NBA Finals. We'll talk more about that this morning. But the best place to be for watching all of the Finals games is the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Again, events at sportssocialmd.com. Our buddy Matt Torper checks in this morning. Orioles need to trade Trey ASAP. I know they may only get lottery tickets, but the snake bit organization needs as many chances as it can get. Matt, I think feeling it the way that some Orioles fans are feeling it, the crushing blow of Grayson Rodriguez being so tantalizingly close to the major leagues and now likely being out for the rest of the season, grade two strain as confirmed by Mike Elias yesterday, and we'll see. I mean, like, he wasn't committing to Grayson Rodriguez not pitching for the rest of the year, but he certainly made it clear that the priority was not that he would pitch again this year. Leaves this sort of dark cloud hovering. And it doesn't help that Adley Rutschman has continued to struggle at the same time. It's like two, two things. For as much positivity as there been surrounding the Orioles, suddenly over the last two weeks... All of this negativity kind of hits at the exact same time between Adley Rutschman's struggles and Grayson Rodriguez suffering this injury. Now, Adley Rutschman can turn things around at any point. I I am not, I've said already, I'm not going to get overly worked up about Adley Rutschman's struggles. Yes, in, in the world of us feeling good and feeling pretty, it would be nice if Adley Rutschman came up, ripped the cover off the ball, looked like the best you know, hitter in all of baseball. We would feel very good and very pretty. 
that was never likely to be what would happen. We talk about this all the time. Typically, players go through an adjustment process. Adley Rutschman's hitting the ball hard. The shift has bitten him a couple of times. He's had some bad luck off the bat. You see reason uh, he's using his at-bats well. He's fouling off pitches. You're seeing positive signs that make you believe this is just nothing more than part of the adjustment. Whether he'll be, you know, Mike Piazza, Pudge Rodriguez, love child, I, I, I don't know. But I'm not overly worked up about it. I am certainly... It, it is draining the Grayson Rodriguez thing. It drains you because you needed so many things to go right in order for this rebuild with the pieces you have to work. And anytime something goes even slightly wrong, it certainly it maybe doesn't make you panic, but it really makes you wonder if all of this will go right or not. Trading Trey Mancini specifically, you're not going to get me to change my opinion about this. There is only so much that you can get for Trey Mancini. I don't need to do it. I'll never need to do it. I mean, my God, if somebody wants to give you a boatload for Trey Mancini, I have no idea what insane team is doing that. But if they want to, fine. But trading him for the sake of trading him or for saying, well, get, get whatever you can, I'm never going to be on board with that. I've maintained the same feelings about Trey Mancini. I want Trey Mancini to stay. I want the Orioles to pay Trey Mancini a little bit of money to stick around because I think you need to have a clubhouse leader for years to come. If you could get something of value for Trey Mancini, I would understand the thought process behind trading him. And if that's out there, do it. But I don't believe it is. I've never believed it would be. I've maintained that all along. I, every organization believes they have their Trey Mancini. And if that guy's not already at the major leagues, they believe they have one coming. I, I don't know who's prioritizing trading for Trey Mancini to the extent that you get something real. So just because Grayson Rodriguez got hurt and just because things look bleak, I'm not just going to trade Trey Mancini for the sake of trading Trey Mancini. I said all along, if I'm trading someone, if I'm prioritizing making a trade, the guy that I'm trying to trade is Anthony Santander because I think I can get a little bit more for a player who offers something as a plus defender. I'm acknowledging I don't think I can get much for him, but if there aren't long-term plans for Anthony Santander... I think you can get slightly more, and he means far less to this community. His value to the Orioles, on the whole, is less than Trey Mancini's. So if I'm trading someone, that's the guy that I'm trading. I get it. Trey Mancini has put together a very nice season. He's been hitting the ball quite well, but not nearly well enough to overcome the fact that he's a positionless bat. That guy, for that guy to have trade value, that's got to be a 40 to 50 home run guy. That's got to be a guy who's hitting 346 for that guy to have legitimate trade value. So I'm not joining you. 
uh, you know, my reality. I'm not joining the trade Trey Mancini for the sake of trading Trey Mancini thing. I get the frustration. I get the disappointment. And then combine it with the Orioles dropping two out of three to Cleveland and, you know, two out of three before that. Like, it's been a, a week in which you weren't really able to build off any of the good vibes that you had going for you. And that's a bummer. It's a bummer. There's no way of getting around it. That's a bummer. Is there something? Are you? Are you? What, what, what are we looking at? I'm looking at Trey's like recent logs. Like the. I mean, because I mean, if there's a time to trade him, I guess it is now since he's hotter. That's the only argument. I mean, I, I'm pretty much no, in he's, experience. He's with had him. a nice season. Yeah, he's had a nice. Nobody's debating that he's had a nice. Got season. Got his average up to above 300, which is it's really a nice, impressive. It's a nice season. Again, and, and if he gets to, if he gets to the point that you're saying, bat, becoming a guy that's batting 350, hitting 50 homers, why would we trade him? And then, well, then because they, because you don't have him locked up long term. But well, I mean, then we still, have to do that. Yeah, it's a different conversation. I mean, we, you want to have a conversation about doing something like that? Austin Hayes maybe is the guy that you start talking about doing something like that with. I, I just, I, I think we want every player to be valuable, and I think we want to believe that you know, as as Matt points out, you know, the lottery ticket thing. Uh, he points out also that his expected average is 323 and his expected slugging percentage is 570 per baseball savant. So the peripherals are off the charts this year. He's I, Nobody is debating that Trey Mancini is having a good season. Yeah, but we can't jump the gun and like just trade him because we don't want another Yuzniel Diaz, like the Manny Machado thing. Well, not, I, not I don't think there's a chance in hell you could get a Yuzniel Diaz for Trey Mancini. I think you're insane to think that you could get a Yuzniel Diaz for, for Trey Mancini. Yuzniel Diaz was a real piece when the Dodgers traded him. He hasn't proved to be a thing in Baltimore, but there was reason to believe he was a thing. Look, you can trade everybody for a lottery ticket. I understand the argument. And there was a time during this rebuild process that you did that. You just traded whatever you had for any lottery ticket. And if the Orioles have decided, come hell or high water, Trey Mancini won't be part of this thing moving forward, then, you know, fine. Take whatever you can get. Whatever lottery ticket international guy that nobody is, it's on nobody's radar that that you've scouted and you say, I think I see something there, take them. But I'll never agree with that thought process at this stage in the rebuild. At this stage in the rebuild, you can't tell me who it is specifically that Trey Mancini is blocking. If you want to say, well, hey, Adley Rutschman's going to have to play some more DH moving forward and somebody else has to be out of the lineup in order for him to do that, again, my first thought would be trade Santander. Santander. Now, when you do that, whoever you end up throwing out in the right field is probably not going to be as good defensively as Santander is, but I can live with that. Presuming, again, I'm only talking about the days when it is that Adley Rutschman has to DH. Stowers, by the way, is Matt's argument. Santander is blocking Stowers at the moment. Not Mancini. Santander is. Which, again, goes back to my, if you're trading someone, we, the guy to trade is that guy. Again, you're still not getting much, and he's not having the season the Trey Mancini's having, but he's less positionless. There's more control, 
And we're acknowledging either way you're getting a lottery ticket. So either you think Santander is part of this moving forward or you don't. If you do, you're locking up a position. I, I don't know where you're playing Stowers. I, I just don't know where he's playing. But if you trade Trey Mancini, you still have the same problem. You're just essentially saying we're going to move Santander to be the, the DH, which takes away any of the value that he has from the one thing he can do, which is throw the ball in. From, he's got a hell of an arm. So if that's his value and you're not going to play him in the outfield, why is he here? That's If you're going to trade somebody, it's to me pretty obvious. Now again, if you've decided that you're just not, there's no scenario by which you're bringing Trey Mancini back, go ahead. I disagree with the premise. I disagree with promising anything. to. I don't think the market is so robust for Trey Mancini that it requires an exorbitant amount of money or promising anything moving forward. I think you could work something out with Trey Mancini now to talk about what that role is going to be moving forward. Hey, there might be days you don't play. There might be days when Kyle Stowers is here, Adley Rutschman isn't behind the plate, and he's got a DH, and you're just not in the lineup those days. Can you be okay with that? And if he says no or he just doesn't want to be a part of it, that's a different conversation to get. If, if you haven't done this work already to figure out where you are with all that, that's, I mean, that's a problem to begin with. I would have been having those conversations some time ago, figure out what it is that Trey wants. I, I have believed there's a scenario where Trey Mancini realizes there's no robust market out there for his services, for what he does. He's a nice player, but nice, I use loosely. He doesn't do something better than anyone else that's going to be on the market. And if you've got a role for him and a chance for him to stay in a place where he clearly wants to be, there's a number where I think that can work that it remains valuable for your franchise. Because you do need someone that can be a clubhouse leader moving forward. And yes, ultimately, as Matt, Matt and I are basically having a private conversation at this point, I'll get to some other of you that have chimed in. And Matt followed up by saying, the, the problem will be if you do nothing. And I don't, I mean, I hear you. If the answer is just you let Trey pay, play out the rest of the season, you don't do anything, and then you don't sign him either, it, that ain't like, that's, that's not, comparable to other scenarios because again it's not like you were going to get anything of significance for Trey Mancini but I still hear you you should be more forward thinking there should be more forward planning involved when it comes to something like this frustrating weekend frustrating weekend and frustrating week because the two things that are most important right now wins and losses are not most important the total. <clears throat> oh, there we go. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. The totality of the rebuild is what's important, and the two pieces that are most critical to the totality of the rebuild are Grayson Rodriguez and Adley Rutschman, and we we feel bad about both of those pieces right now. So it makes everything more frustrating because of that. Speaking of Adley Rutschman, only about a week left for you to get this 
print issue of Pressbox, which is available for free at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find Pressbox, or read it all, PressBoxOnline.com. Luke Jackson with a great story about Adley Rutschman right there on the cover. Go get it today before it is gone. Next week, it will be gone. It's been a fun weekend down in College Park. I know a lot of folks have been able to make it down, and it continues tonight as Maryland and UConn play for the right to go on to the Super Regionals. Our next guest has been calling the games quite literally. He's the color analyst, but last night he had to do play-by-play for a little while. He's also uh, part of the uh, Kansas City Chiefs broadcast crew. He is Danon Hughes, and he's with us now here on GCR. Danon, Glenn, and Griffin, great to chat with you, man. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us. No problem, man. Thanks for having me. It's been uh, an exciting weekend, actually an exciting season for Terrapin fans and Big Ten conference fans. And uh, we got the Terps that are still alive. You got the Wolverines, the only two teams that made it the regionals uh, in the Big Ten are still alive today, so a lot of excitement. Uh, no doubt about it. It was a thriller last night. Dennis, can you take me through what? How, how did Maryland get here, right? Like, what happened from a program that it had some big ups and then dropped a little bit? As someone who's been you know, covering Big Ten baseball all season for the Big Ten Network, what specifically have you seen that's allowed Maryland to get to this point where they became such a national threat? So uh, the first thing that comes to mind is Rob Vaughn. He's been there 10 years, been at the, the head position for five years, and he is one of the best leaders that I've seen. Uh, I see how the guys react to him. I see how they respond to him. I see how he conducts himself. Uh, I had the privilege during the Big Ten tournament, to actually be quasi-sideline reporter. So I was in the dugouts for all of the game. And so I got a chance to kind of literally stand within 20 feet of every coach and five feet from every player and seeing how they interact in the dugout, uh, the expectations that are set, uh, the communication that goes on, uh, when it's time to kind of get guys revved up, how do you handle that? Uh, you know, you don't have the old school coaching philosophy of a guy that's just bitter sitting at the end of the dugout, uh, cussing guys out or screaming at guys. It's really uplifting and it's a kind of a positive environment. The other thing is, I think it, it bodes well for every sport, uh, no matter what, no matter what level. If you have an identity, you'll have success. And I think when you look at the Terrapins, they established early their identity. Uh, they had solid pitching, three guys that can get them wins on any weekend, on any day against any opponent, and they hit the ball one through nine. Uh, and, I, and I don't just mean put the ball in play. I'm talking about violent swings with a purpose. And as you guys know, being around baseball, Hitting is contagious, and it's not necessarily that you have the best talent. It's about how the mindset of everybody expecting in the, in the batter's box to get to do something, to make something happen. And that's what you saw yesterday. That's what you saw on Friday when they scored 23 runs. Uh, they made things happen from one through nine. You're talking about Ian Petrutz batting seventh yeah. in the lineup and 
Kevin Keister batting ninth and what they've done in this regional, uh, never mind what, what you're seeing from the guys at the top of the lineup. So the identity is what, uh, to me, uh, separates them in regards to how they got to this point and how they are expecting. Like Rob Vaughn is expecting this not to be an anomaly, that they expect to be right back here in the same type of, uh, in the same lane for years to come. Uh, we got to talk about Bubba Lane. We got we got to talk about this young man because <clears throat> we, I, I apologize, Dan. It's the worst allergy season I've ever dealt with in my oh, yeah. life. I'm sick of it. Um, we've never seen anything quite like this, right, in Maryland baseball. When you're talking about an All-American, a Big Ten Player of the Year, how special is this young man? Oh, absolutely special. I mean, a switch hitter. He can run. He's the only 2020 guy. Uh, in the conference, I mean, to see what he's able to do, he hit a bomb the other night uh, that kind of catapulted the team. Uh, he's just a true talent. Center fielder, I mean, to me, he's a top-of-the-lineup guy, a middle-of-the-lineup guy at the next level. Uh, he can do it all. Uh, and he's still growing in the game. I mean, I, I saw yesterday he kind of made a mistake in not running out a pop-up. And... He got thrown out at second. Could have been a crucial blow to the team. And then he's able to come back and and do work. Uh, he got back on base, and he was able to score a run. I believe it was a run that put them up after the game was tied. So uh, I like the fact that he has a huge upside. He's shown what he can do at the best level. He's And he's a threat. Every time he steps in the batter's box, every time he's on the base pass, he's a true threat, and he still has a high ceiling, still has some improvement to make. So a true, true talent, Bubba Lane is you know, one of the best players that I've seen in the Big Ten in a long time. Uh, he is Danon Hughes. He will be on the call tonight, Maryland and UConn on ESPNU at 7 o'clock for the right to move on to the Super Regionals. Uh, Dana, does Maryland have uh, – you mentioned all the pitching, but do they have enough pitching to get through one more? They've had to play four games this weekend, had to go to extra innings yesterday. Do they have enough to get through one more against a really good UConn lineup tonight? That is the question, but that's the question across the landscape of college baseball. When you get into that fourth game of the weekend, um, that's when things kind of go awry, can go awry. Uh, now you're talking about a fifth game. Uh, for for them to be able to get to their destination. I think every team is going to ask that same question. I mean, let's face it, if Stanford winds up losing, you guys will host a Super Regional if Maryland's able to win. So there's a lot on the line, not just the season-ending nature of lose and go home, but also winning and maybe something happening in, in Palo Alto where – you have a super regional. Now you're really talking about some excitement around the, the Terrapins program. But pitching is going to be, it's, it's all hands on deck, all arms on deck tonight for the Terrapins. But it's the same thing for UConn. I mean, at this point, you got Savakul that might be able to come in and get you 40 or 50 pitches. Last night, Ryan Ramsey came mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. in a clutch situation, although, you know, he had the pass ball, the wild pitch that scored the tying run, he was able to quiet down the UConn bats. Uh, so you might see Savicole in there. I kind of feel like this is one of those days where you ask all your pitchers, Falco as well, take a deep breath and try to get us through this game, and then you got a nice, a nice few days to rest before you have to 
start the super regional. Does there need to be a conversation, Dana, about the the regional con? Like I mean, we saw, what is the, the young man from Oklahoma State come in in relief and throw something like 129 pitches over the weekend, which is which is there's just no way that that can be good. But I get it. You you don't want to use any more pitchers. You're trying to get as much as you can out of somebody. Do do we need to have a, a chat about whether or not it's it's a safe practice? to have teams potentially play five games in four days any longer? Like, does it end up hurting these pitchers in a way that's that's detrimental and not not fair to them as teams are trying to win a championship? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, I'm of the school of thought, and I don't think I've seen this with the Terrapins, but I have seen it with other teams all season long. Way too quick of a trigger going to the bullpen. I think sometimes you just got to... You just even if your guy doesn't have the best stuff, you got to lean on him a little bit more. That's how they learn. That's how they grow. That's how a lot of times through adversity guys get better. And you have several pitchers now. You got midweek starters. You got some young arms that can eat up innings. So when you get into that fourth and fifth game, that's when you have to lean on guys that you've leaned on in the middle in the middle of the season during the regular season in those midweek games, uh, non-conference games. Uh, I think those guys are ready. They need to know that you have confidence in them. And if you're not going to use them during these times, like what good are they on your roster? Um, you know, it's a, it's a coin toss. Don't get me wrong. I get it. It's a coin toss. Anytime you go away from your three starters right. and your main relievers, it's a coin toss. But to answer your question, I think teams need to kind of recognize, hey, you got some other arms out here and we got to, ways to get them dialed in during the regular season so that when the postseason comes, they're more reliable. By the way, it was 126 pitches for Trevor Martin from Oklahoma State after he'd apparently pitched the day before, which just, boy, that's a... Yeah, in that situation, I get it. That's that's something that you definitely should look at, and there should definitely be a concern. That's, you know, kind of the way outlier. But generally speaking, um, you know, we saw LIU have a starter on Friday, again, it was, you know, definitely a a mismatch against the Terrapins. They scored early at nine runs in the second inning, but they pulled the starter out before he got through the lineup once. Now, let's say, you know, for kicks and grins, let's say LIU, and this is not a knock to, to Dan Perillo, but let's say they had come back strong in game two and game three and fought their way back through the loser bracket. That's something that you might regret that you took your starter out that early when you tax your entire bullpen. Those are that's the patience side that I'm talking about. Not necessarily, you know, the extreme where a guy throws 120 something pitches after pitching the day before. Yeah, I hear. I Dan, I hear you. I, I just it's really it is really tough when you're dealing with a team. You know, this is the most these are the most important games of your season, right? Like yeah. it's it's tough to say Hey, let's put the guy in with the 15 ERA. Um, it, you know what I mean? Like, it's a tough thing to do because if something goes awry, your season's over. Like, you're you're gonna be inclined to just put out the same pitchers and say, you know, we need you. We we desperately need you to get us through. And and man, it is it's it's wrong. It's wrong to ask them to pitch so much and to do that to their arm when they've got a future ahead of them. It's um boy, you know, I, we're, you and I are probably not going to solve it today, Dan. And I'm just going to get <laughs> this. We're not going to solve this problem. 
Um, hey, before before I let you go, give me your thought on the impact. You know, we 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 have. I have said for a long time that there is this belief that quarterbacks just always make uh, wide receivers around them better, and I've never found that to be actually true. What I found is the quarterbacks who have the best wide receivers around them tend to be the best quarterbacks. Um, what do you think the impact is ultimately going to be for Patrick Mahomes, who we know is brilliant and is you know, maybe the, the greatest talent we've ever seen play the, play the position, but losing a Tyree kill, I can't believe it's not going to have any impact whatsoever on him and that offense. Well, I think it's definitely going to have an impact. Now, when you talk about an impact, can you cancel out a negative impact with a couple of positives? That's, that's going to be the situation because, let's face it, outside of Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill, we hadn't had an established number two receiver mm-hmm. since the healthy Sammy Watkins was there during that 2020 Super Bowl run. To me, when you go and get Juju Smith-Schuster, you get Marquez Valdez-Scanling, you draft Sky Moore, you get a diamond in the rough and Justin Ross as a, as a um, free agent, and you have some other longer guys, and I think that's the key is that you know, last year we had receivers Tyreek at 5'9", McCole Hardman at 5'10". You had small guys, and you're expecting them to go against bigger physical corners, and that's exactly why we ran into a buzzsaw with the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, now you're going in getting bigger guys. Patrick is going to have to do it differently. He, doesn't, he won't have the luxury of throwing a five-yard pass to Tyreek Hill and Tyreek running 70 yards, making six guys miss down the field. It's going to be more conventional like you've seen with Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers over these years where he's going to have to be on time. He's not going to be able to improvise and scramble in circles like he used to uh, and then have that outlet of Tyreek Hill, you know, dancing around guys and making everybody look like fools. Uh, It's going to be more to your conventional West Coast offense. I'm excited about it. I, I like bigger receivers, and I want to see what these bigger guys can do uh, against these defenses that are going to be focused on them. I admit I am nervous about Sky Moore becoming like a really special player and everybody regretting the fact they allowed him to slip as far as they did. And, of course, he would go to Kansas City and become an utter superstar, <laughs> and he's a problem for the rest of the AFC for a decade to come. Uh, Dan and Hughes, tonight, Maryland-UConn, 7 o'clock on ESPNU. Um, by the way, hell of, a, hell of a job. I know it's a tough spot to be in when you're not even at the game. And you got to yeah. now do both play-by-play and color work. Um, a hell of a hell of an effort, my friend, last night in the uh, tough spot. I appreciate it. Yeah, that was one of the big curveballs thrown to me in my sports life is to be called on on the on a drop of a dime to to assume both roles. I mean, literally, we went to commercial, and John's screen went blank, and as the countdown came back from commercial. Our producer Adam said, "Okay, Daniel, you take us. Yeah, take us good home. luck. We don't know what's happening. Good luck. I'm like, yeah. So, yeah, that would have been one of those days where you know the old uh, uh, major league where you got a beer next to you. That probably would have been best for me to have <laughs> some kind of beverage near me. But I was able to battle through it. It was a great experience, but it was a little, uh, it was a little, a little anxiety, I will say. But I had fun with it. If you're a dual sport athlete, you might as well be a dual broadcast uh, capacity <laughs> guy as well. DA Hughes guy 83 on Twitter is how you follow him. Danon Hughes, looking forward to a, a, a huge game tonight. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning, man. No problem, fellas. Thank you.
Danny Hughes checking in with us here on GCR, Maryland, UConn. For the right to move on to the Super Regionals tonight at 7 on ESPNU. It's been a hell of a series. I've been thoroughly entertained by this weekend. Maryland was staring down elimination against Wake Forest yesterday, down 5-2, rallied for 6 in the 8th inning in order to keep their season alive. They blow a 4-0 lead to UConn last night before having to rally to go back up 6-4. Then they blow that. Ultimately win in extra innings. It's been a thrilling weekend if you've been able to get down to College Park. I know it's been really exciting. The first ever regional that uh, Maryland has hosted in, in school history ends tonight uh, as they take on UConn. Winner will face the winner. And that's the other thing, too. As Dana pointed out, Stanford lost a game over the weekend, so they're in a winner-take-all tonight as well against Texas State. Now, they came back and beat Texas State last night to force it. So Stanford and Texas State, if somehow Texas State wins that game, Maryland could host the Super Regional next weekend with a chance to go to the College World Series, which is a bizarro sentence. And we're getting ahead of ourselves. Stanford's really good. They are certainly favored to beat Texas State tonight. Maryland's got to get take, take care of their own business. We'll see if they have enough pitching. A lot of people pointed out, I think we need to start thinking about, and it's something because we don't pay a lot of attention to college baseball around these parts we haven't cared about, but I think we got to think about the structure of a Super Regional and what these teams are ending up doing with their pitching because it's the most important games of the year. They're going to put in their best pitchers. And you're not going to have these pitchers say, well, coach, I don't want to do it. I don't want to go in. You know, it could hurt my arm, could hurt my future chances. They want to try to win a championship. So they're going to be willing to do it. And it's not right. We got to talk about the structure of it at some point. We come back in. We are going to talk about uh, a future Maryland Terrapin. Jonathan Lamoth has committed from St. Francis to come play for Kevin Willard next season. He's a four-star guy. Let's find out why he made that choice next. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Hey, Birdland families, this Father's Day, join the O's in celebrating Dad at the Yard as they take on the Tampa Bay Rays Sunday, June 19th at 1.35. Go above and beyond by treating Dad to a fun-filled day with the entire family. Make sure to get to the ballpark early because the first 10,000 fans ages 15 and over will receive an Orioles golf visor. Dad's Day done right this year with the O's. Don't wait until the last minute when planning Father's Day. Secure your tickets now at Orioles.com slash tickets. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit MDGambling help.org that first sip that first bite mm. start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at royal farms choose from a fantastic selection of fresh royal farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world at royal farms breakfast is available day and night it's the freshest breakfast in the world real fresh real fast royal farms 
Baseball is back, and so is the spring seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash-fried pork belly with our popular Korean number 2 sauce, and take a bite out of the Crunch Burger topped with home-run sauce, white American cheese, and house-made chips. It also features irresistible options like a baseball-cut sirloin with blue cheese, grilled shrimp with garlic butter, and a strawberry salmon salad. And then there's the closer, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jack. This menu will be going, going, gone at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. GloryDaysGrill.com to find out more. Great food, good sports. The 2022 baseball season is in full swing, and the future is brighter than ever for your Baltimore Orioles. I'm Paul Valley, And I'm Zach Goodman. And together we bring you the bat around every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon with everything you need to know about the Orioles and baseball as a whole. From veterans like Cedric Mullins, Austin Hayes, and Ryan Mountcastle, to young stars like Adley Rutschman, Grayson Rodriguez, and D.L. Hall. We've got you covered for every game, every pitch, and every debut. You can watch us at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and facebook.com slash pressbox sports or you can listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio so join us live on the bat around every saturday from 10 a.m to noon right here at Pressbox sports the toyota tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines you can choose the perfect toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new tacomas from your local toyota dealer today it's statistically proven that the show sounds better if you're not wearing pants like me Right now, you're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. All right, back in here on GCR as we continue on a <clears throat> oh boy Monday edition of the program. Today's show also brought to you by the Stand the Fan Variety Hour, which returns tonight. Stand the Fan and Ross Grimsley are going to catch up with the great Mike Boddicker, former Orioles pitcher. They're going to have a chat tonight. And later on in the week, Stan the Fan and Gary Stein are going to catch up with Courtney Coppersmith, the outstanding pitcher for UMBC Softball, who has decided that she's going to come back for another year while she also pursues a Ph.D., which is a wild sentence, one that I'm not fully sure that I understand. So a couple of great shows coming from Stan the Fan this week again tonight. He and Ross Grimsley chatting with Mike Boddicker, and then later on in the week, he and Gary Stein will have a conversation with Courtney Coppersmith. Both those available. Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports is where you can find either one of those chats this week. And if you miss them live the next day at PressBoxOnline.com slash video or YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. Um, I'll give me to a couple of responses from James. James chimes in this morning, says, Oh man, I'm so sorry. I, I guys, I apologize. I wish, I wish I could say that I, uh, I felt confident that I was gonna have it all back together. But man, I don't know. This one, this one has kicked my ass. Uh, James says, uh, "Glenn, the Grayson Rodriguez thing is probably the most deflating thing that's happened to the Orioles since the rebuild began. Even more so." than the pandemic wiping out a minor league season. The pandemic wiped out a minor league season for everybody. We didn't know what the tangible impacts were going to be. This is one where you can tangibly see how it could change the course of the next couple of years. I'm glad that they're not prioritizing this year because, as you've pointed out a couple of times, this year is not what matters. But that being said, it's still important that we have confidence that Grayson Rodriguez can be in the rotation next year and be the guy to start the season. 
I, I'm not really sure exactly what you mean by that, James. If I'm being totally honest. I'm not fully sure I understand your wording of that. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, I've maintained that this year is not the priority. But as I've said, that didn't. I still thought that it was important that Grayson Rodriguez got here this year in order for you to have more confidence about his ability to be in the rotation to start next season. So, you know, it's weird, right? It's weird because somebody would say, well, hey, it's probably not the end of the world that he's not pitching this year. You didn't think this year was the priority. No, I still think next year has been the priority and next year was always what mattered more. But I still needed to see him get here and go through whatever struggles he was going to go through if you believe he can be a quality major league pitcher a year from now. And the secondary part of it is the innings thing. The innings thing now extends another year. Where you're talking about it being unreasonable to assume that Grayson Rodriguez could ramp up to a full year of pitching in the major leagues until 2024 at the earliest. Making a jump to 200 innings seems like a stretch for next year. For what it's worth, Grayson Rodriguez did speak, um, I don't know if it was to the media on the whole or if it was just to, um, sorry, the New, New, I believe it's called the Norfolk Pilot. I'm pulling it up right now. I want to make sure I get this correct. The Virginian Pilot is the name of the paper down in Norfolk. And they ran a story about Grayson Rodriguez that included quotes from him in which they say, this is from uh, their beat writer, David Hall, Grayson Rodriguez tells at least him, obviously anytime you get injured, it's bad. But I'm not really trying to look at it that way. Hopefully it's on the quicker side of things. Personally, it doesn't feel as bad as what it might seem. So I, sh- I this is again a quote directly from Grayson Rodriguez, so I should be back before the season's over. And again, that was something that was brought up by Mike Elias that maybe he could be back before the season's over. That perhaps he could pitch in September. There would be a question from many, why? Why feel the need to rush Grayson Rodriguez back to pitch in September? And I don't know the answer to that. Other than to say, you just want to get a few more innings out of him, see where he is, see if he's comfortable. If he can, I guess there's no specific reason not to. I don't know if we've determined a best practice for something like this. And with the innings thing being out there, I think it is meaningful, important, relevant, whatever word you want to use, to try to get a few more innings out of him this season if possible. Oh, man, I'm so sorry. I appreciate you guys sticking with me. Run out and... I I, I pounded maybe five bags worth of lozenges over the last... I I have kept the the folks at Ricola... One of the executives there is going to be able to buy a vacation house because of the amount of Ricola that I have purchased over the course of the last week. If Grayson Rodriguez can come back and pitch this season, I don't think you'd immediately send him to the majors. I think he would still have to rehab. 
if he can even make a couple of starts at the end of the year at the major league level, it would probably be beneficial in any way. But I still don't know that I'm going to be able to feel confidence about Grayson Rodriguez as a top-of-the-rotation type of pitcher going into next season. I'm not going to be able to feel confidence about me getting through a two-hour radio program this morning. We'll see. We'll see. He's hopeful. I'm hopeful, too, for what it's worth. I'm hopeful. I'm trying to be hopeful anyway. All right. Speaking of hopeful, I'm hopeful that our next guest is going to turn out to be a hell of a basketball player at the University of Maryland. He has decided that he is going to come play for Kevin Willard, uh, announcing his commitment over the weekend. Apparently he made it a bit earlier. From St. Francis Academy, Baltimore's own and a future Terp, he is Jonathan Lamoth, and he's with us now here on GCR. John, it's Glennon Griffin. It's great to chat with you. Thank you for taking the time, and congratulations on announcing you're a Terp. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. You know, it's great to chat with you, man. Can you take me through, like, growing up here, was Maryland, like, a priority for you when you were a young person? Did you care about Maryland in any way, or... Was Maryland something that you were willing to consider the exact same way you would have considered Villanova or Virginia or North Carolina or any other school? Um, growing up here in Maryland, it's all—it's always been like a dream of mine to play on a big stage at Maryland. And, um, I've always considered it. Um, being in Maryland, that's probably the closest game I can get to all the time. College games, I watched all of them. Um, and it, it's definitely been a dream of mine to play there. So you were someone who was like like rooting for there to be interest from Maryland. When you when you realized, hey, I'm going to play at the next level, you were hoping that you were going to start hearing from the folks at Maryland. Yes. That's I mean, it's pretty cool the way this worked out then, right? right. What t- yeah. tell tell me about, you know, there was a coaching change, Kevin Willard comes in with a new staff. How did that impact this process for you? Like what, did it did it make you, you know, further um, your interest in Maryland, were you trepidatious at all with the new staff? What was it like with the new staff coming in as far as your relationship with Maryland? Um, it helped a lot because um, I like Coach Willard's um, offense. I like his fast-paced offense. I like Coach Willard as a person. And also the staff that he's brought on uh, really helped my decision and knowing that it's a family. So Who was who was critical on that? Was it was it Tony Skin? Yes, Coach Skin, um, Coach Cox, Coach Grant. Coach Tavon um, all of them have been a, a big part of my decision. You, um, of course, coming from Baltimore, right? Like, there have been a couple of Baltimore kids recently. How how much do you know Juju? What kind of relationship do you have with him? Uh, I have a good relationship with Juju. And um, um, we obviously played two years in high school together, and we knew each other before that. So um, we have a great relationship. I know it's possible that he could end up having a monster season and moving on, right? Like, I know, because yeah. we saw a lot of good things from Juju a year ago. He could blow up this year and not be there. But what right. would it mean if he does end up sticking around for one more year for you to get the opportunity to play with him in College Park? Um, it would mean a lot, and I, I want it to be my goal to get him to that next level um, and help him have his breakout year, his junior year, if, if it is that case. Um, just getting to the goal with the main um, go for all of us. So just helping him get there and helping my stock rise as well. Jonathan Lamoth is with us here on GCR. He's committed to Maryland out of St. Francis. John, are, are you, um, you know, when a new coach comes in, a lot of places it takes some time in order to lay a foundation of what it is they're trying to do and in order to get things turned around. 
are, are you were you at all concerned about that with a new staff coming in that like you know hey I, I want to win championships is do you believe that it can happen quickly for this staff yeah. at the University of Maryland yes I think we can win championships and um and get to the goal of uh, multiple championships there at Maryland I mean, it, boy, I like we like the sounds of that. We hope that that's true, John, and we hope yeah. that's the case. Uh, tell me about yourself as a player. Um, tell me um, about what it is that Maryland fans are going to be expecting when you arrive here in 2023. Maryland fans expect the big go, can uh, pass, who can shoot, can defend multiple positions, and uh, just win basketball games, whatever it takes. So that's what I'm bringing to Maryland, and hopefully I bring championships to Maryland. John, we're, you're listed at 6'4". Are you still growing at this point? Oh, uh, I think I am. So, you, I mean, uh, so obviously we'll see, but uh, right now I'm six four. But but is the priority for you to still be on ball more when when you get to the college level? Um, basically whatever Coach Willow needs me to do, play on the ball, off the ball. Um, I'm a versatile combo guard, so I can play both. You uh, you know, you're an attacker. You're 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 the fearless type, right? It's, yeah. You're the type of guy. I always like. I, I, you won't mean anything to you. There was an old um, American Gladiators game called Powerball, and I always describe it like where you just you, you don't care what's in front of you. You're willing to go. Nah. Yeah. Where, where did you? Where did your love of basketball come from? What? Why was um, it that this was the sport for you? Just just watching it. Um, my older brothers growing up, and that's just why I wanted to play. Did you have, was there a, anybody that you looked at, that you looked to, that you modeled your game after, or was somebody that you tried to be like you emulated? Uh, LeBron. I mean, that's a pretty good, I mean, it's it's tough, though, because there's, like, literally one of those that's ever played the game of bad. There's never been anyone quite yeah. like LeBron, right? But but what, that was that was your guy growing up? You, you were a LeBron uh, guy? Yeah. What was it about LeBron that drew you to him? Um, just him be able to do everything and win no matter who he got on the court with him. So that was a big thing for me. A lot of times we'll talk to Baltimore basketball players, and we'll use the term Baltimore tough, right? Because yeah. you know you you don't get the same attention that guys get in New York and Philly and D.C. And so you gotta, you almost got to have a chip on your shoulder. Is, is that right. a fair way to describe you as a player? Yeah. What have you – how do you carry that with you from from playing like you know today it sounds like you're at a gym right now um yeah. how do you carry that with you when you play at st francis when you when you're going to play at maryland um just bringing that dog every day and uh no matter who's in front of me just being a better uh player every game so uh that's my main goal were there players at maryland that that you were particularly fond of that you like watching over the years there i'm Dar I mean, it makes a lot of sense, right? Another Baltimore yeah. kid, right? Like, yeah. do, do you see any similarities between himself and you? Yeah, we both uh, bigger guards and, and both defend multiple positions and just love winning. So, yeah. What do we need to know about you, the person, Jonathan Lamoth? Besides, ba obviously basketball, but what do we need to know about you? What are you all about? Nope. We'll try to see if we can't reconnect with John. L literally live from the court right now. I think we pulled him away from practicing at the moment. <laughs> Appreciate John Lamont taking the time for us. Today's show is also brought to you by your neighborhood Glory Days Grill, where you got about one more week to take advantage of the spring seasonal menu, which has been extended for you to enjoy the baseball cut sirloin, the cracker jack sundae, the strawberry salmon salad, the flash fried pork belly with the Korean number two sauce, all of that available at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill, still for about another week on the spring seasonal menu, your last chance 
To get over to your neighborhood Glory Days Grill, you can also visit glorydaysgrill.com in order to get your order in and take advantage of the spring seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. We'll try one more time to reconnect with John Lamoth. Understanding. He's a young man with a lot going on. Appreciate him squeezing the time in with us uh, here this morning on GCR. We'll try to uh, get him back on for just a second and wrap up with him. Still to come this morning, we're going to catch up with Jeremy Kahn from 105.7 The Fan. Got a lot more to do here on a Monday edition of the program. Um, I, I think I misspoke earlier and said that John was the first. He's not the first high school commit. That was Noah Bachelor. And again, John will be a part of the class of 2023 at the University of Maryland, so he won't be there this fall. It'll be the following fall that John Lamoth um, will end up coming to the University of Maryland. And I uh, look forward to having him. And if we can't reconnect, we certainly uh, heard plenty from John Lamoth this morning and, and got a better sense of who he is and what he's all about and appreciate him taking the time for us. Don't need to, if he doesn't answer, doesn't answer. Poor Griffin, back from vacation. We had a tough week last week, too, man. It was a lot going on. It was a weird week. All right, what we'll do, we'll grab a break. If we hear back from John during the break, we'll uh, reconvene with him afterwards. If not, we got more things we want to discuss on a Monday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Are you ready, soccer fans? This summer, the English Premier League returns to Baltimore. Arsenal, Everton, square off in the Charm City match. July 16th, under the lights at M&T Bank Stadium, home of the Baltimore Ravens. This is your only opportunity to take in a Premier League match this summer in the Mid-Atlantic region. Individual and group tickets are on sale at BaltimoreRavens.com. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles catcher Adley Rutschman, diving into where his passion for baseball and for catching comes from and how he uses that passion to elevate those around him in the Orioles organization. Also inside, Bo Smolka takes a look at how the Ravens' 2021 draft picks can make progress in year two, and Glenn Clark offers a very unique tribute to former rival Mike Krzyzewski that all Maryland fans can appreciate. Press Box is available for free at over 500 areas locations including 60 royal farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the orioles ravens and terps at pressboxonline.com that first sip that first bite Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Hey, be more. Orioles 2022 Birdland Summer Music Series presented by Miller Lite kicks off Friday, June 17th with Flo Rida. After the O's take on the Tampa Bay Rays, stay for the post-game concert and watch Flo Rida perform live from the infield. The concert is free to all fans who attend the game, with the option to add special on-field access. With hit singles like My House and his latest single, Wait, what better way to watch Flo Rida perform live at Camden Yards on June 17th? Buy tickets now at Orioles.com music. 
Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets every Tuesday morning at 11.40. FanDuel Sportsbook Assistant GM Leon Twyman and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and offer you a few winners. And every other Thursday at 11.40, tune in for Weekend at Bookies as Andrew Stecka and Alloy Sports Brad Cronthal help make you some money for the weekend. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday and Weekend at Bookies every other Thursday. Thursday, brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. Baseball is back, and so is the spring seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash fried pork belly with our popular Korean number two sauce, and take a bite out of the crunch burger topped with home run sauce, white American cheese, and house made chips. It also features irresistible options like a baseball cut sirloin with blue cheese, grilled shrimp with garlic butter, and a strawberry salmon salad. And then there's the closer, the Cracker Jack Sundae with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jack. This menu will be going, going, gone at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. GloryDaysGrill.com to find out more. Great food, good sports. Don't forget that full episodes of the show are available for free on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and YouTube. But warning, you get what you pay for. You're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. All right, into hour number two of the program. Uh, apologies, don't know what happened with John Lamont, but appreciate the time he took for us, and we certainly learned a lot about him during that time. And uh, looking forward to uh, seeing him when he arrives in College Park a little bit later on, uh, not this year, but the following year in 2023. Okay, now, I got a column up today at PressBoxOnline.com. And you know how I feel about this, because I've been talking about it for a couple of weeks. I just finally decided to write it down and and give it a caveat a bit. Um, You know how I feel about Lamar Jackson. You know, I am not remotely concerned about him not being at Ravens' voluntary OTAs. Not slightly. Not not even minimally. Not at all. Don't care. And as I point out, I, we know that this is irrelevant because, for example, Matthew Stafford isn't throwing at Rams' OTAs and no one gives a rat's ass. No one thinks it has anything to do with whether or not the Rams are going to be able to win a Super Bowl this year. Because we know better. Because we know better than to think that OTAs determine who wins the Super Bowl. There is no correlation between the two. The Rams may or may not repeat as Super Bowl champions. But whether they do will have nothing to do with the fact that Matthew Stafford wasn't able to throw at their OTAs. We know that. And no one would be stupid enough to suggest as such. So when we try to make it seem like it matters that Lamar Jackson isn't at OTAs, we're spiting ourselves. Again, this is about feeling pretty. We want everything to be the way we think it's supposed to be. Quarterbacks are supposed to be John Wayne. They're supposed to be these leaders of men, and you need to be there to lead your men. And it's nonsense. And it has nothing at all to do with how things actually work. It's just the crap that we have been shoveled for so long that we regurgitate it breathlessly. It does not 
matter, period, whether Lamar Jackson participates in voluntary OTAs. No, it's possible he shows up this week. Certainly possible he doesn't, but it's possible he does. And if he does, it will have zero to do with whether the Ravens win the Super Bowl or not. And every little thing that you attempt to say, like even if you know, okay, I know it doesn't really matter, but I've had reasonable people. Well, what about the time that he could be spending with Tyler Linderbaum? If you think that the difference in a quarterback-center relationship working is a couple of weeks of glorified scrimmages in May-June, more so than the entirety of a preseason and training camp and everything that you do when you get ready for a season, God bless you, but that's insane. It's insane to think the difference is made here as to whether or not that works. When you say, hey, but there's young wide receivers and they're inexperienced, you could use more time. I've got great news for you. Lamar Jackson spent a lot of time with his wide receivers this offseason. And as I remember, back when you guys used to criticize the last quarterback, if he does that, they win the Super Bowl, right? Because there's a correlation between getting together with your, off season, your wide receivers in the offseason and winning the Super Bowl. There's a direct correlation between those things, isn't there? No? That's weird. He spent lots of time with them. He's gotten together with them on multiple occasions. It's not his fault. The Ravens haven't upgraded the wide receiver position. But he's still gone out of his way. There is nothing that can make this matter, no matter how hard you try, no matter how badly you want it to be that way because you feel like this is the way things are supposed to be, because you feel like quarterbacks are supposed to be these you know, ultimate team first, team always, representative team, 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 team guys who go above and beyond on behalf of the team, which, by the way, Lamar Jackson has already proven he is. He's just not doing it voluntary OTAs. See, uh, Aaron Rodgers showed up for mandatory minicamp in Green Bay. Is this mandatory week in Green Bay? In Green Bay it is, yes. Weird. Ravens is next week. Yes, the Ravens have mandatory week next week. We'll be, I, we'll, I, we God, worry. God bless. We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Don't read ahead. We'll get there. Um, I, I, I don't care about what any other quarterback does, to make it abundantly clear. I don't care what quarterback goes to what OTA. It's not going to have anything to do with whether or not they're going to be able to – win football games this fall. We can say, well, you know, uh, Greg Roman says there's there's some new, new wrinkles to the playbook, and he's got it. They have an ability to get Lamar Jackson the playbook. I know this is going to sound crazy, but there's email and text and FaceTime, and there's I, still the United States mail still works sometimes. There's, there's a telephone, Facebook Messenger. We know he's on Twitter. Skype, Zoom. You get a, start a Twitter space. There could not be more ways to communicate. It does not matter even remotely until next week. And that's the caveat. The caveat is, if Lamar Jackson shows up this week, God bless. 
It certainly doesn't bother me that he's there. As I said all along, it can't hurt to be there. You just can't prove that it helps. There is no definitive evidence. Coaches, of course, want it because in their mind, they believe as much time together as possible can help the team, but they have no way of proving it. There's no definitive proof that that voluntary OTAs have anything to do with the success of a team. I believe that uh, Zach Wilson has attended Jets OTAs. Does this mean suddenly that the Jets are going to be the team to beat in the AFC East? They could. Yeah, perhaps. They do have Sauce Gardner and, and Jermaine Johnson. I like those players. They also have Lamar Jackson. I don't like the, the Jets. Oh, they have the other Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Is he still there? I, think I don't know if he's still there or not. I don't know if the other Lamar, uh, the former guest of this program, the other Lamar Jackson. Um, I'm not sure if uh, if he's stuck around in the NFL for very long. He is on the Bears now. He's the, yeah, good good for other Lamar. <laughs> next week is when we it matters because next week is when you sit down and you say, "Hey, maybe some of these things that we've been saying, maybe some of the hey nothing matters and everything is good and Lamar just doesn't want to do a deal right now and you know we're taking it at his pace and." He wants to prioritize winning a Super Bowl. If he doesn't show up for mandatory minicamp, uh, mini that's bunk. That's hogwash. And there are plenty of you that believe that it's hogwash anyway. And to be clear, none of it makes a lick of sense. I've never been able to make this offseason make sense for Lamar Jackson. He's watching Deshaun Watson get the deal that he's gotten and said to himself, yeah, sure, but why should I want to have any leverage? Why should I want to get paid right now? That You can't make it make sense. It's his right, if it's really how he feels, if he d- wants to make less money this season, he has every right to make less money this season. If he wants to, he never has to make any money. Lamar Jackson can do whatever Lamar Jackson wants to do. He's, he's an adult. He can make his own decisions. He sure as F does not need me making them for him. But it hasn't made sense. And we've accepted it because it's been reported in enough places. The Ravens want to talk to Lamar about a deal. Lamar doesn't want to talk to them about a deal. Enough people say it that you accept it. And Lamar isn't saying anything to suggest it's not true. Not being at OTAs, he's tweeting out that he can't wait to be back with his guys. He's putting in work with um, Tom House's team. Out in California, he's apparently putting on some muscle. We'll talk about that more in a second. Whatever he's doing, he's not suggesting there's even an ounce of strife between he and the Baltimore Ravens. At no point is he saying, hey, I'd like to be there if I can get a deal done. I intend to be there as soon as we get this contract squared away. He's not showing, or anyone in his camp is showing that there's any even ounce of concern, difficulty, problem, whatever you want to call it, between he and the franchise. But if he doesn't show up for mandatory OTAs, we've got our answer. There is. There's a real problem between he and the Baltimore Ravens. And it might be one that he's willing to push aside come the start of the season. It might be the type of thing where he says, look, I'm not going to show up for mandatory OTAs, but I'll get there. 
Maybe not at the start of training camp, but I'll get there. I'll be there in time to play because I'm not going to risk, you know, losing a year of service time to get the free agency. But it's a problem. It shows there's legitimate strife between the Baltimore Ravens and their quarterback that maybe things that have been presented haven't been fully true. That maybe the Ravens did make an embarrassing offer to Lamar Jackson and Lamar decided it was such a spitting in his face that he chose not to engage in negotiations at all. Said, I'm not going to negotiate with you. Now, again, it wouldn't make sense because if that was the case, why wouldn't he demand a trade? You, you just, you can't make this. When people say, well, he wants to get the free agency, we can say that all we want to say until we're blue in the face. But the notion that you need to get the free agency in order to have all of the leverage is absolute nonsense. 24 women have made accusations against Deshaun Watson and he got traded to a team that guaranteed his salary. He didn't play last year. Nonsense that you have to wait to free agency in order to be able to take advantage of your leverage. Absurd that we just keep saying it. Based on what we know, or what we think we know, what's been said, the only thing that makes sense is Lamar Jackson really isn't all that concerned. We'll show up next week for mandatory OTAs if he doesn't show up this week. And all's good. And he wants to play another year and then he'll deal with it. I don't know why. It doesn't really make sense. But none of it makes sense. It's crazy. But it only matters if he doesn't show up next week. Last two weeks, this week, irrelevant. Irrelevant. Next week, when you've got to be there, when now you risk penalty to not be there, that's when you're making a statement. Other players don't show up for mandatory or for voluntary OTAs. That happens. To not show up for mandatory minicamp is to say, I don't care what the penalty is. I have a statement I have to make. We've got a problem, and we need to address it. And if that's the case, it's going to be a really interesting few weeks around here. It's going to start getting crazy because the conversation really will start turning to is there a number that Lamar Jackson is looking for that is just so far beyond the pale the Ravens can't go there? The conversation will turn to, did the Ravens embarrass Lamar Jackson with a lowball offer that is shameful and that bridge can't be repaired? The conversation will turn to scenarios by which you've got to talk about trading Lamar Jackson. If Lamar Jackson doesn't show up for mandatory minicamp, there are real problems between these parties. If he does, all's good. Nothing to worry about for anybody besides Lamar Jackson. If you're Lamar Jackson, you still don't have a contract. At some point, you've got to get that figured out. 
and why, again, you're voluntarily taking less money this year than you would get on a new deal, I don't understand it, but that's your problem. It ain't the Ravens' problem. If Lamar Jackson shows up, all good. The Ravens will have their quarterback. They can get ready during training camp. They can get ready during the preseason and go try to win this year. they got to solve it on their end, too, at some point. They've got to figure out what they're doing. And if Lamar is saying, come hell or high water, I'm not going to sign, that he has been brainwashed into believing that free agency is what matters, that's when you get your leverage, despite the fact that we literally know you can get your leverage before then. If that's the case, then the Ravens also have a decision to make. But they don't have to make it now. If he shows up, they know all's good. They know they can go into the season knowing they have a quarterback. They continue to hold leverage by virtue of the franchise tag next season. Now, when the Ravens went through this with Joe Flacco, I guess 10 years ago, was was there no, this was much public. drama? No, they, okay. but they knew. I mean, and the Ravens might know. They might very well know, but everyone knew the story that back then. Going after the 2011 season, everyone know because Joe Flacco's agent, Joe Linta, was happy to let them know. Joe Flacco knew what the number was that was on the table. He didn't like it. He's going to go back and play next year to try to prove himself and get the, the biggest contract. And then famously he came out, did that event with me and Perry Hall, and he said, I think I'm the best quarterback in football, and everybody made fun of him. And then he went on to win the Super Bowl and got the biggest contract. But it was all on the table. There was no – Joe Flacco had not accomplished – yes, he had outplayed Tom Brady in the AFC Championship game, but that was one game. He did not have the accomplishments that Lamar Jackson has. He had more playoff wins, for what it's worth. Um, but he did not have the actual accomplishments as a quarterback that Lamar Jackson had. He didn't have the same leverage. He was in a place where he could say, look, I could get money right now, but if the Ravens, it didn't make sense for him to demand a trade because his value on the open market would not have been overwhelming. The best place for him to be was in Baltimore to go back for another year, prove it, and then you know, put his boots up on Steve Bishotti's desk and say, what you got for me? That doesn't make sense for Lamar Jackson. We saw what Deshaun Watson got. There are multiple teams in the NFL that still don't have a quarterback. Seattle has no quarterback. Carolina has no quarterback. Atlanta has no quarterback. There are other teams that probably don't have a quarterback that won't admit it, like New Orleans. Like the Giants, they won't say it out loud because they don't want to disrespect their guys, but they don't. They don't have a quarterback. <coughs> Jameis Winston isn't an NFL quarterback. I mean, he's, we know the story on Jameis Winston. He got eye surgery. He's, thank you. He's fun for moments. He's not an actual NFL quarterback. He can't do it at that level. Lamar Jackson can. So why he wouldn't try to take advantage of that market and demand a trade is beyond me, but Joe Flacco understood. He did not have the leverage by which to demand a trade. He knew the offers that would be on the table for extensions from the teams he was traded to were going to be similar to the one that the Ravens offered. He was better suited going back and proving it. There is no prove it for Lamar Jackson. 
He can say, I'm hell-bent on winning a Super Bowl. Did Deshaun Watson win a Super Bowl? Did I miss something? The Super Bowl has not been what's driven the quarterback prices. Did Josh Allen win a Super Bowl and I missed it somewhere? No. Irrelevant. Are you a guy or not? And Lamar Jackson is a guy. Um, as far as the um, this, the pictures, the videos that we've seen of Lamar Jackson putting on muscle, I have I have said for a very long time, I am befuddled. Again, this goes back to my confusion. I am befuddled by any world, any scenario in which Lamar Jackson runs less. It's been one of the most insane talking points that has existed surrounding this franchise for years where, where folks around the country say, well, this just isn't sustainable. You just can't do this. And it is simply not backed up by fact. Yes, at some point in Lamar Jackson's life, his speed, his elusiveness will decline. That will occur. Today, when he's still literally younger than Joe Burrow, is not likely to be that day. I don't know what Lamar Jackson's reasons are for choosing to put on muscle, to bulk up a bit. I hope it's not because he wants his running style to be more Cam Newton-like, that he wants to run through people. I hope that's not the case. And I don't think it would be. I hope it's not because he's hell-bent on being purely a pocket passer and realizing you're going to get sacked and he wants to be able to take those hits um, and have them cause less pain because he's a bit balked up. Because none of that makes sense. Again, he's got the right to do what he wants. But just because a thousand jackasses on television tell you you've got to be a pocket passer doesn't make it true. Lamar Jackson is one of one. He is the most unique talent the quarterback position has ever seen because he is a damn good passer of the football and no one has ever been able to run the ball the way that he does. Why you would ever mess with that is beyond any comprehension because of some jackass on television who says this isn't what a quarterback is supposed to look like. Or because some idiot who's the general manager of some other football team who says, I don't want my team doing that. He has been highly successful being that guy. Now maybe it has nothing to do with that. Maybe he still believes he can be exactly as elusive as he's always been putting on bulk, putting on more muscle. And I, I trust me, I am no expert when it comes to your elusiveness, bulk, or muscle. I have no personal knowledge of how any of those things might work. I'd love to know what bulk, actually bulk I, I know a thing or two about, but it's the wrong kind of bulk. I pray it's not because he in any way wants his style of play to be different or the Ravens want his style of play to be different. The problem isn't how Lamar Jackson plays. The problem is trying to get Lamar Jackson to be different because you want him to be. They're insanely good with Lamar Jackson doing what he does best. Whatever his reason is, he again, Lamar Jackson's an adult. He gets to do whatever he wants to do. 
He certainly does not need my permission in order to be that guy. I hope it has nothing to do with wanting to change his style of play in any form or fashion. His elusiveness is what makes him so unbelievably special. His elusiveness is why, despite the fact that everyone wants running quarterbacks to get hurt because they want to justify their nonsensical belief that running quarterbacks will get hurt, which, as we know from legitimate data, is hogwash, poppycock. Running quarterbacks do not get hurt any more than pocket passers. We've all regurgitated it. It just ain't true. What makes Lamar Jackson so uniquely elusive, uh, dynamite is his elusiveness, is the fact that when he's in the open field, he is extraordinarily unlikely to be tackled because he has an arsenal of skills for avoiding tackles that makes him, again, one of one in football history. He's Reggie Bush-like. He's like a video game. I hope that doesn't go away. I don't want to see Lamar Jackson taking on contact because he's put on some bulk. I don't want to see him prioritize needing to throw the ball 40 to 50 times a game because he thinks that's what a quarterback's supposed to do because idiots continue to say it. I hope that's not the case. I don't have any reason to think it is. But he clearly appears to think that he needs to change his body at least a little bit. And maybe it's just to be a better version of what he already is. I hope that's the case for Lamar Jackson. You can read more. Pressboxonline.com today. I write about Lamar Jackson, the OTA thing. Spit it all out there. Pressboxonline.com. You can find my weekly Monday column right now. All right, today's show is also brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. Make the most out of every day in a Toyota RAV4 available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new... <clears throat> there we go. Ah, oh, new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Sorry, Toyota. I held up so well through that uh, prolonged monologue, but... I uh, just couldn't get through the rest of the hour. All right, we come back in. Jeremy Kahn's going to join us. We'll talk more about the Orioles. I want to talk about butt sweat. It was a popular topic yesterday on 105.7 The Fan. I want to talk about it with him. It's next, Glenn Clark Radio. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgambling.com help.org are you ready soccer fans this summer the english premier league returns to baltimore arsenal everton square off in the charm city match july 16th under the lights at m&t bank stadium home of the baltimore ravens this is your only opportunity to take in a premier league match this summer in the mid-atlantic region 
Individual and group tickets are on sale at BaltimoreRavens.com. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. The great Kurt Angle. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Let's have you Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point. Boulevard. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles catcher Adley Rutschman, diving into where his passion for baseball and for catching comes from and how he uses that passion to elevate those around him in the Orioles organization. Also inside, Bo Smolka takes a look at how the Ravens' 2021 draft picks can make progress in year two, and Glenn Clark offers a very unique tribute to former rival Mike Krzyzewski that all Maryland fans can appreciate. Press Box is available for free at over 500 areas locations including 60 royal farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the orioles ravens and terps at pressboxonline.com to follow the show on instagram it's just glenn clark radio and to follow the show on OnlyFans, wait i don't think you're supposed to know about that one any hoodle take it away boys all right back in here on gcr as we continue on a monday edition of the program <clears throat> uh, by the way, on tomorrow's show, Peter Gammons is going to join us. Also, uh, great story, Jose Quas, the former Terp, uh, now with the Kansas City Royals. He was out of baseball altogether and was driving for FedEx and um, managed to get all the way to the major league level. So we're looking forward to chatting with him on tomorrow's program. Orioles are off tonight. And uh, we will be uh, recording a uh, French Open recap edition of Courts of Thunder. Greg Rosenthal and I. Mm. That'll be available for you later on. Of course, Rafael Nadal, Iga Sviantek winning the French Open over the weekend. Again, we will have that up a little bit later today for you wherever you get your podcasts, a recap French Open edition of Courts of Thunder. It is Monday. We missed him last week as we were off on Monday, but it's good to have back for the Big Bag Morning Show on 105.7 The Fan. Our friend, Mr. Jeremy Kahn, who's with us now here on GCR. What's up, buddy? How are you? What's up, man? Been a little bit of a heater, so it's been good. Yeah, how would you? I mean, what's uh? Give me some stats. So, I mean, I've been hitting a lot of my top plays. I, I think either five out of five or four out of five. Oh. The past, I think six of the past seven days. So, it's been pretty good. All and right. you know, even some of the other ancillary picks. Yesterday wasn't great, as I had the Orioles, and there was another loser in there that I had as maybe it was the A's as one of my like one of the other picks. But my top plays have been. Hitting left and right, so it's been good. So my question: Now that uh, the French Open's over, I, I have some room to, for some betting. Do you want me to 
play your plays, or would you say, no, well, come hell or high water, do not do that to me? Well, let's put this to the test, because I love my favorite play today. Okay. Which is the uh, the Guardians and the Rangers over the total. All right. As it fits perfectly in the weather edge system, and I loved it from the money coming in on the under. So it's my favorite play of the day. Let's put this to a test and see if you are my okay. head mush. All right. Yeah. I will go play it right now. The Guardians, Rangers over. And if I, it, you will know definitively at that point that I cannot, I cannot go with your picks available every day at PressBoxOnline.com. <laughs> I asked for this, by the way. So. Um, um, I want to start. I, I want to. I was going to say I want to start with something pleasant because I do want to talk about the Orioles and the Grayson Rodriguez thing. And I, I joke that it's pleasant. We had a lot of fun on uh, on on our show, Rita and Glenn, yesterday on 105.7 The Fan, because we do a segment. Um, it's basically our, our opportunity to bitch. It's called "I Am Tired" because it's one of Rita's catchphrases. And mm-hmm. I kind of lost my mind for a little while and and accused uh, the Lord and Savior of being a twisted, sick mf'er. Um, I I think we don't ever have enough adult conversations about butt sweat. Jeremy I think that we have it's not that we've lost the war it's that we've never fought it we just sort of said hey look there's an invasion on our doorstep well hell invite them in it's sort of like what they did with the dinosaurs in the last uh, Jurassic Park movie we're just gonna have to learn to live with them there's literally nothing we can do and sure they might eat a lot of people and a lot of people might die but what the hell there's nothing we can do. Why bother trying? And I feel like as a society, we've done the same thing with ass sweat. We've just sort of accepted swamp ass as part of our summer every year. It's it's heinously unpleasant. It's a twisted thing. If there is a God for a God to have allowed to ever exist, it's truly awful. And yet we just don't deal with it. Can you explain that to me? I can't because the embarrassment I have as a... Uh so, like I'm not only the uh, a client, but I'm also the president uh-huh. of the Ass Sweat Company. Mm-hmm. Uh, where I mean, numerous times a day on days like today, I'll feel like I sat in applesauce, or I'll uh, ask the question, "Who crapped my pants?" Right, uh, right. Because that's what it feels like. And the other uncomfortable part is when you're sitting down outside on a hot seat, and then you get up and you leave like the logo for Silence of the oh. Lambs from your butt cheeks. Oh. The, you know what I mean? Like, and, and then you got to explain that to somebody. And like, by the way, that, that happens. I sat down. That happens in studios. It doesn't. You don't have to yeah. be outside. That happens indoors, where you get. That, by the way, this occurred last week. Griffin wasn't here last week. Um, uh, Zach was filling in for Griffin last week. And I swear to God, I got up one day and I looked down. And I'm like, oh God, like Jesus Christ. Like I hope nobody sees this. And then I walk over to Zach's seat, and Zach's a, a, a svelte 21-year-old young man, and I look at his, and it's the exact same scenario. Like, we're all yeah. dealing with the same nonsense right now. Like we're, But we just all choose to live in our own shame rather than actually try to deal with it. Yeah, is there, so I, I don't know that I would trust the powder to get it done. I've I, also I, heard that, you know, you can get Botox, you know, how you can get it in your forehead or wherever, your lips, wherever you want it, that you can actually get that in not only your genitals, but around the rectal area, and what that's supposed to do is now, I, stop the sweating okay. from coming. But I have questions come out somewhere because I was informed of that yesterday when I was breaking down about this. I'm yes. willing to listen, right? But one, I'm assuming this is not something that insurance covers. And two, what are they actually doing? Like, will it in any way what? change the other performance of my, you know, of these parts? Well, what you're going to need to do is have a trial basis and have all of your listeners now call their insurance company 
right. asking if they'll cover them getting Botox in their ass. Right. That's I do. Um, I need somebody. You know what, Griffin? I'm going to have you be the first. That's that's going to be a producer yeah. role. I need you later today to get in touch with your insurance company and find out if you if but but Botox is covered. I would be really yeah. happy if it is. And right. after you do that. Call us back to let us know after they've stopped laughing that they right, told you Right, no. they said no. So. That's not something that we're going to cover. Um, yeah. I'm still willing to do it because I, I do feel like we need to do something about this situation because it's heinous. Like, it's it's just, it's awful. And we just sit back and say, eh, well, eh, who cares? Now, are you a thousand percent positive that it is butt sweat and not sweat from other Yeah, well you're you're specifically referring what you're referring to is the taint. I mean what you're saying is is it is it taint sweat and not butt well, sweat. It could come from your back, right? It could come from your armpit. Oh, some of it certainly and... is coming from my back, there's no doubt. But I think we all like again, specifically, we all know whether it's coming from the back or not, once it gets yeah. to that location, irrelevant. It's all the same at that point. You know what I mean? Like, it's the sweat, sweat. So what you're saying is if I do the Botox in the butt and the sweat's really coming from the back, I will have solved nothing in the pro- process. Yeah, you, you will, well, that's what will happen is that it will just start. Because at first you'll, you'll second-guess the Botox, and then they'll tell you, no, it's not our fault. It's coming from somewhere else. It's like, you know, I do roofing. So I go outside, I'm doing roofing, and we can't figure out what's wrong with the roof. It's got to be your plumbing. Right. It might be your plumbing, Glenn. <sighs> Are you but convinced it, of that, though? Like really? No, it's your ass. Yeah, that's it's what I think. Ass, I'm pretty sure. I just, you know, I'm pretty sure. Right? I appreciate you throwing it out there, but like, I don't feel it every now and then on a particularly hot day. I'll feel like there's some back. There is a back sweat problem. It exists. Yeah. They of course dealt with that in the most recent Jackass film. Um, they addressed yeah. back sweat. Like we've we've all been there, but we feel something different going on down south. Going on down that's south. Drank pig semen, so they they just, did that is these are all legitimately things that occurred. A little off putting. All right, um, I'm glad we talked about it. I'm not wrong to say this is a, a stain on our on on humanity. I mean, I don't no, mean No, it's the pandemic that we're not talking about. Correct. Um, this this should be something that should be handled. I don't know if Biden's willing to, you know, pull some of that money back from the Ukraine and invest in the butt sweat, but it could be an idea for him. We have Again, a, it we is might a, want Griffin to call about that one. So. Yeah, check in with the our, call the, our senator. Who are Van Hollen? Call Van Hollen. And uh, I want you to get some See where answers. He on butt sweat. I want yeah. I want to know. We got an election. You know what? We've got a lot of uh, gubernatorial candidates. I, I you know, I will give you Westmore's cell number. I want you to call Westmore right now and I want you to get him on the record. What are you going to do about the butt sweat pandemic epidemic? I, want, I do know for a fact that Mosby might be going to jail, but she is against butt sweat. I think that's so a f- oh, I think there is a certainty. She might run on the, a certainty. That, that, and by the way, she might win again. Might win again, <laughs> just based alone on that. Um, uh, scale of one to uh, shut down the bridges because I might jump. Where are you with your Grayson Rodriguez panic and disappointments? I mean, it's really upsetting because it's like look, it's. It's like telling your parents what you want for Christmas and then opening up the presents and the thing you wanted most isn't there. And, you know, I know everybody was excited about Adley, as was I. Um, Baseball is about pitching and finding the right guys. I was so excited to see Grayson Rodriguez at the major league level. And I know I'll get to eventually, but something like this just sucks because I feel like if it wasn't last week, it was this week that he was going to get called up. And Mike Elias alluded to as much by saying that he's pretty much checked every box. Um, we may see him in September. Who knows if we do? Like, I'm not, ultimately, I'm not worried about all that. Like, his future is more important than whatever happens this season and me wanting to watch him pitch at the major league level. Yep. But 
but you know, I, it, it sucks. There's no other way to describe it, but it, it just sucks. No, I mean that's the the reality is not only does it suck. I I said last week, Jeremy. I think it's got to start. This is the first time in this process where they, as a franchise, need to think about whether or not they're now willing to to do something different than they had planned to do. And mm-hmm. they were inevitably going to have to. The idea that they were going to get to serious contention, not just like, you know, we could compete to maybe get into the playoffs. I mean, like competing for something real was always going to have to inevitably involve spending some money at some point. But I don't know that it was going to be this offseason. And I'm not trying to panic about this or suggest there's no way Grayson Rodriguez can ever become the guy that he we thought he was going to become. He might very well still be that guy. But he's not going to be able to ramp up to 200 innings next year. I mean, that's nuts. To go from never having thrown more than 100 innings in a season to suddenly throwing 200 next year? Come on, we're being crazy. I think they have to legitimately consider spending money on a pitcher now this offseason to say we're not just going to keep letting this thing go on forever and wait and wait and wait and just continue to hope that everybody will stay with us. We need to maybe deviate from the plan a little bit and specifically on pitching spend money this offseason. But is it so? This is uh, take the pandemic out of it in the shortened 2020 season and what it did to the minor leagues. Because I feel like teams like the Orioles that want to see their, you know, their guys advancing in the system and how much better they get and just getting their reps in the minor leagues at that year hurt them more so than of some course. of the other teams. Yep. But uh, but where does that set them back as far as their plan and what they wanted to do with uh, with this team moving forward? Because at some point they have to spend money. Yep. And I, I would venture to say, like you know. With all due respect to Jordan Lyles, I mean, they, they were trying to get Matt Harvey to come back before all this other stuff went on, and he can't pitch. Um, you know, Jordan Lyles is, is solid. He's fine. That's who I expected him to sign. Coming up in the next two years, I expect him to be in on some of these bigger names, whether it's completely bats, balls, whatever you want to talk about, pitchers and everything that's going. Like, you need to be in on free agents. And, I, and I'm not talking the old, hey, Carlos Delgado, here's three for 30. Well, the Marlins right. offered me three for 40. Well, our offer is three for 30. Which Correct. one do you want? Correct. You know, not that type of offer, but legitimate offers. And I think they will be. I hope they will because I think what I'm saying, I think it's time that we demand it. I think, uh, that, that, you know, there have been, there are always the group of people that are never okay with a rebuild, never okay with you, you know, purposefully losing, that have been frustrated. But I think that the majority of us have been more reasonable about this and have understood Hey, look, this is a rebuild. This is how rebuilds work. They can be painful. They can be unpleasant. All of those things. And so because of that, I think this is a time now where we're almost forced to demand it. That that the fan base, those of us in the media, have to say, look, there, what you just said, there's no more pussyfooting around. There's no more, you know, hey, if somebody comes to our price, we'll consider it. Like, no, it's time. It's time. You've got to be aggressive. You've got to go do something. Well, have you thought about, you know, just like Michael Scott ran a 5K for uh, uh, rabies? Yes. Maybe you could maybe you could set up something to run a 5K for the for Orioles pitching? to spend money in the offseason <laughs> or to cure ass sweat. Like, that would be... I, I By God. I, I, did, I was the announcer for the 10-miler on Saturday, which I once participated in. And so I'm, like, watching these people cross the finish line, wanting to die and remembering I felt the exact same way. Like, I wanted death to come to me at the end of the 10-miler. Um, I don't know that I'm ever, I had this like moment ahead of the pandemic where I was like, well, maybe I'll be a runner for a little while. Maybe that'll be a part of my life is I'll be a guy who runs. 
it, that it will not be a thing. I will never be that guy, Jeremy. It just will not you happen. You need a ton of fettuccine Alfredo to get the you know the carb load beforehand. I was the only part I was good at was the carving yeah. up part. It was the only part of racing that I was any good at at all was the carving up. And they were like, no, now you have to go run. And I'm like, oh, I'm The only thing that I, I think I, I like less than running is helping people move. Oh. I think that's. Yeah, that's those two things. Like you can have. You know, it's funny. When I was young, I kind of loved helping people move. This is a weird thing, right? When I was in my yeah. early twenties, and it was, hey, come over. You might crash at the place the night before, right? Like, help us out. It's beer. It's pizza. It's a chance to hang out with your friends. That type of deal. That was actually a lot of fun to me when I was in my early twenties. I don't know exactly what the age is, but there becomes an age where it's it will never happen again. It's not just that I don't enjoy it. It's I will use any excuse to not help you move. You're an adult. Hire some goddamn movers. Yeah. My my wife this past year, we moved into our new house or uh, the first of last year is when we officially moved in. We started moving stuff over but didn't live there until you know the, the first of the year. So anyway, she hires movers, which I'm so thankful for. But she only hired movers for the big things, which meant we still had to carry all those little things in, multiple trips back and forth. And I'm like, we're paying these guys good money. Can't we pay them a little bit better than just good money to do all of this? Right, so I don't have to do any right, of it? yes. Uh, like, none that's of where this... I'm at at that point in my life. Correct. There's got to be a price that I don't have to – I do. I feel the same way anymore. I, I, boy, this is really snobbish sounding. Mm-hmm. If I don't care enough about a concert – to be willing to spend, you mentioned this, I think, with the Avet Brothers last year, which I, as I know, it was the best night of your life. You just had yeah. the greatest time. Um, yeah. If I don't care Thanks. enough about it, I'm sorry, pal. I love you, I, and I, I, you know, for people that don't know, my wife got so drunk we went home before the concert even started. Well, but but so. you barely spent any money on it, right? What was it like a, a twenty bucks? Oh, I bought everybody tickets. Uh, so. That was for my birthday. I bet yeah. they. I bet the rest of them had a really good night. <laughs> Yeah, the ones that got to stay. Um, it was everyone except me and my wife. If I don't care enough to be willing to spend the big money for... Like, people are asking me, did I really spend $750 on Paul McCartney tickets? Yes. And they're like, well, I only spent this amount. I'm like, I don't want to sit in Crete to watch the Paul McCartney concert. You want to really enjoy it. Yes. If I've got to be in the, the top row of the upper deck for the Paul McCartney concert, I'm not interested. I'm out. And I feel the same way. Like whenever they announce one of these festivals, I, I, like everybody else, I of course, and I, you know, I've been friends with Jerry from OAR for a long time. I look at that festival they're doing down in Ocean City, and I'm like, that looks great, right? That looks like a a, a hell of a fun way to spend three days awesome. down in Ocean City. hundred percent. Oh, I'm all in. I'm, I I of all the random things, I happened to see Alanis Morissette last summer at Meriwether because a buddy of mine offered me a ticket. I, I had the time of my life. Belting out every word of you ought to did, know, right? Like, did you I, look at so did you look at the setup for the thing in Ocean City Friday, Saturday, Sunday, right? Yes. Do you, now? Do you remember offhand? Is if you had to pick one of those days to go to, which day would it be? I would probably go the Dave Matthews Tim Reynolds day, probably, but I don't know that. I mean, like they all have. Like, Group Love is playing the same day as Dave Matthews and Tim Reynolds, and I really like them. I love Virginia Coalition. Um, yeah. I, I like but Johnny I'm a Swing. Lumineers guy, so like Saturday Yeah, and that's Jimmy Eat World. I get, oh, God, you know what? You're right. Saturday would have to be the day because it's Jimmy Eat World, too, and Jimmy Eat World is, I mean, like a top five all-time band for me. 
Um, yeah. Okay. I I adore Jimmy Eat World. So yeah, Saturday would be my answer. And and look, I might try to get down. I haven't decided yet. I might try to get down to the festival. But the point being, I don't want to stand like stuck between everybody for five hours you know what i mean like i want to get whatever the ticket package is that allows me somewhere to like go sit down between bands and 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 that whole thing and i really am at the point in my life where if i if the price for that is a price too far for me i'm just not gonna go like i'm just gonna say if i don't care enough to pay the good price to go i'm gonna Mm -hmm. end up passing i'm just gonna say standing standing i know it's on the beach so maybe it's not and it's the end of september so it won't be as hot this one might be uniquely different because it won't is it I, the end or middle of september it's the end of, to, it's september 30th through october 2nd so because yeah, there's two things so like my wedding anniversary is on october 2nd and we're like my buddy's uh 40th birthday is that same weekend where they're talking about going out of town to celebrate it going to like um you know all-inclusive or something which my wife and i said well why don't we extend the three-day weekend to a full week and then celebrate our anniversary. And then I was looking at the two different concerts that we're going to be playing too. One on one of them was on my birthday, which I think is the Willie Nelson. Oh, uh, the, yeah. Ratliff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That thing looks awesome. Um, and then there was the other one at the end of the month, which is this one in Ocean City to go see the Lumineers. I, I, this, I absolutely could be talked into going down for the Saturday thing. I'm, I, I, and, and again, it's probably uniquely not as miserable as other festivals because like you're on the water. So, it probably won't be a billion degrees at the end of September. It'll probably be a pleasant day. In fact, it might feel like the fall at that point. And so that would be really pleasant. So maybe there's more of a chance that I would buy them. But you know what I'm saying in general, right? Like the thing where you just go stand out, like somebody, uh, I think it was somebody at the, at Odyssey reached out and was like, Hey, we have, uh, you know, I, I saw that um, you were looking to buy Preakness tickets. We've got extra infield fest tickets. Do you just want those for free? And I was like, no, thank you. I appreciate you offering, but that sounds like pure hell to me at this point. It's going to be six billion degrees just standing outside. I don't even care about you know the chain smokers enough to care. Like, no, I'm not going to do that. If I if I don't care enough to buy the tickets where I get some air conditioning and some like you know pleasant experience, I'm just not going to do it. Am I am well, I a the, snob or is that just like I'm the age? No, where, no, I don't. I don't. I wouldn't classify you as a snob. It's like you want to pay for what you're like what you want, and that's that's fine. You already know what you don't like, and. Like, I would say the same thing. Like, Preakness, I, I wanted to see Post Malone, so I went down that day. And I don't know how, how much you remember about the day that Post Malone played Preakness, but it poured. Oh, yeah. The entire oh, night yeah. before and the entire morning, it was a mud fest. And, like, I was I was standing on a piece of plywood uh, at the back end just trying to oh, watch man. the concert and enjoy it. Was that, was that 21 Savage as well? Because I, I definitely went out in the mud and watched 21 I, Savage. I, want- I think that's it. My my favorite. There were two two things that happened that day. One guy tried to take a shortcut. This is before realizing where all the you know like how bad the mud was. Tried to take a shortcut, and I mean literally to save him, himself three seconds to walk around this person. And as soon as he took a step on what appeared to be the lawn, his foot went three feet into the ground, and he lost his shoe. Oh my! God. And then he went to take another step and lost the other shoe. And then he's just standing there, and I'm like, look at you, idiot! Now you're stuck in the mud for the rest of the day people were mud wrestling i mean it was just crazy i have i have the same kind of vibe anymore about sitting on the lawn at merriweather and and like i have so many wonderful memories of being on the lawn at merriweather as a kid but i'm like i had a buddy of mine i think jack johnson is playing there recently and he said hey man i got an extra lawn ticket and i said i'm good (laughs) like i'm good i'm just not gonna go he was like why not i'm like i don't 
I'm, I'm, my, my ass is going to hurt. It's going to be 1,000 degrees. I, I don't need any of this in my life now. Like, I like Jack Johnson. I like his tunes. He's, he's, he's fun. I yeah. remember, you know, being young and smoking weed and listening to Jack Johnson. It was a good time in my life. But, like. Well, they oversold him. What was it, two years ago? Wait, what? At Merriweather, they oversold the concert. Are you serious? tickets. That's why it was so crowded. I was oh at that concert. Oh, my God. You could not see a blade of grass on the infield, on that hill, because there were so many blankets down. And I remember I was telling my wife, I'm like, there's this many people here. We need to leave now before he got to the encore. And I'm a huge, like, our wedding song was, you know, Be- better, better together, together like a yeah. lot of other people. Yeah. When we met, I was listening, like, I was in love with Jack Johnson music. We went to Virgin Fest to see him. I remember he was playing the same time as the Foo Fighters. And I was like, F you, Virgin Fest, for making me choose, right. knowing that I was going to choose Jack Johnson. Wow. And I missed the freaking Foo Fighters. Yeah. Well, look, man, um, I'm not, you know, I, I love Jack Johnson. I'm all in, man. I'll make some banana pancakes with you any day of the week, my friend. We can go over to the field for some tackle football. Big hits, big cuts. Give me the ball. Trust me. Oh, I'm, I'm in. I love it. I'm in. Yeah. But I ain't sitting on the, I'm just not sitting. I'm not doing it any longer. I, it's not. I, if I care enough, I will pay the money for the experience and, like, to have some seats and to be, you know, like, if I care, I'll do that. I just, the other part of it, I'm going to end up getting to a point of the night where I'm just like, I hurt. I'm miserable. I don't want to be out here any longer. Yep, that's how I am now. Oh God, what happened to us? What happened to you and oh, I? What I was just like so. Somebody posted from my high school that we graduated 25 years ago today, oh. and oh, I, I just I put on there. I said I'm aging like milk. This is awful. Yeah, it's not great. It's not I great. I don't want to read this. Jesus, <laughs> so. man, that is not great. Uh, all right, well, this was uh, this was all kind of depressing. <laughs> Every yeah. single layer. What do you have that's now pleasant? My ass is sweaty. How you, how you feeling uh, two games into the finals? How you feeling? I mean, it's going to be fun, but, like, the first two games I don't think really tell us anything. The Celtics stole one in game one. Uh, the Warriors blew them out in game two, which was, like, in my mind was a little bit to be expected, although I can't bet that. Like, I, I had the under last night, so I felt good about it. But the fact of the matter is, like, when you look at this series, like, I think it vastly changes when we go back to Boston. I think Boston's the better team, and I, I think they're more battle-tested. But uh, they definitely need the others to step up. It can't just be a Tatum and Brown show. Horford, Smart. and I mean, list anybody off the bench. Somebody's got to step up and help out. Well, that was my, the only issue I had with game one was that, like, I expected them to play well defensively. That didn't surprise me at all. I thought it was foolish to assume that Al Horford and Derek White would both keep shooting that way for seven games or even four games you know what I mean like I just thought that was a bit nuts I'm at the place where I don't know like I I again I guess you give the slight advantage to the Celtics because they got home court are they a better team and they're a better team because they play defense sure but at their best, are they the better team? I don't know, because what the Warriors can do at their best, and I get it, I don't know what we think Jordan Poole is any longer, because for a little while we thought he was a star, and then he was nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, when they're at their best, they're, they're, they're art, you know? Like, they're, they're, they're goddamn, it's like watching... It's poetry the, emotion. Right. Is what it is. Yeah. So I think this is the tough thing, is we all want to make broad, sweeping you know statements, but I think you're right. Two games in... I don't really know a lot about what this series is going to be. I think the only thing I'm confident about at this point is that, like, I'd be very surprised if it was over, if anybody won three straight games. I'd be yeah. stunned if either of these teams won three straight games and this thing was over in five. Like, just to tell you, so the, the Warriors were, outside of last game, which you expected the line to go up because people were going to be on them, the right. Warriors were three-and-a-half-point favorites in game one. 
the Celtics are three and a half point favorites in game three. It's like right. it's as evenly matched as it could possibly be from a point spread differential. And and you're right, now the Celtics have home court. Can they hold that and take it three one back to Golden State? I don't I don't feel confident in telling you that happens, although, you know, that that's where I would lean is that I think they win game three. We'll see what happens in game four. Um, but I just think we're gonna have a fun series. I said Celtics in six from the beginning. Uh, nothing would surprise me. I'm in a I'm in a weird place where like I'd be surprised if it wasn't two two going back, and I almost think Game Five ultimately decides the series, right? Like yeah. that if if the you know obviously if the Celtics win both these in Boston, it's not like the Warriors can't win all three the rest of the way. But boy, I don't know, man. Like Dr- you know, Draymond's yeah. gonna keep doing stupid things. You know, like at some point they're gonna give him another technical. Like they're not just gonna keep holding the whistle. I. It, it could get ugly. Well, and Steve Jabby said last night, which was interesting, I, it's almost like when you hear somebody say the things that aren't supposed to be said in public, he basically insinuated that they referee Draymond Green differently. They don't go by the book with him that, you know, because of his track record and his history, that he'll get stuff called on him more so than anybody else, which I think is interesting. Like, I was watching a play last night where Draymond looked like an offensive line picking up blocks downfield as he was just shoving defenders back as Steph was about to shoot a three, and I'm going... How on earth is that legal? Like it's just and and look, he's going to be so irritated in Boston because you know the Celtics are getting home cooking. He's going to have so like game three or game four, one of those two games, you're going to see the Warriors in so much foul trouble and everyone bitching after the game. It's it's definitely going to happen. Ah, uh, there is no doubt. There is no doubt that's true. All right, what's coming up on the Big Bad Morning Show this week? So we're all in uh, for the most part for this week. Uh, Rob actually is heading to Kansas City with the Orioles, so uh, oh, cool. we don't know if he's doing the show from out there or not, but. I'm um, gonna be a fun week having everybody back. Ed got married. Wait, what? See that? I didn't know Ed that. Got married. Are yeah, you got serious? Florida. I yep. had no idea. Holy crap! Yep. To a girl. Should... Wait, really? Yep. To... But just just one. But just one. Well, yeah, only that's one. All he can handle right now. <laughs> okay, I got. I got a. I got a text. <laughs> I'm gonna send here in a second. <laughs> yeah, he got married. So wow. Just a... well, yeah, I, I love Ed. Good I love hearing some of the stories too. Oh. So, Oh. Small ceremony. Oh man! Well, guys, that's that's I I genuinely had no idea. That's cool. I'm happy for it. He didn't invite me to the wedding, but he invited me to the honeymoon. Yeah, it's it's that. weird how that works. Yeah, really weird but, how that works. I've ever told you the story. I I was dating a girl. Ed and I did a show together one time in Ocean City. I don't know why. Like we, it was part of um. Oh God, who was the old t- Dick Gelfman? You remember Dick Gelfman? Yeah. He did a motorcycle ride across Maryland. Dick Gelfman. Ed was always part of that event, and I think it would wrap in Ocean City on Memorial Day. And mm-hmm. so instead of like the rest of the society taking Memorial Day off, we would go do the show. I, maybe I have the dates wrong. Maybe it wasn't Memorial Day, but we did the show from Ocean City. And I don't know why, but one one year I brought a girl I was dating with me, and I ran down. I was like, hey, you know, we're, nobody really wanted to go out. So I was like, well, I'll run down. I'll get some beer. We'll bring it back up here. We'll hang out. And we were staying in two rooms. It was Maynard and I in one room. Ed and our producer, our producer was in the other room. And I come back, and my girlfriend is not in my room. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell? And so I call her, and she said, oh, don't worry. I'm next door. And now I go, I'm worried. I, I go next door, and she's laying in bed with Ed watching a movie. <laughs> and I said, ah, do you guys even know each other? <laughs> and I realized 
I don't think she's going to be sleeping in my bed tonight. <laughs> <laughs> it's an awful feeling. Oh, these, these are the things that happen. All right, pal. At JamieCon1057 on Twitter is how you follow him. Picks every day, pressboxonline.com. Appreciate you, bud. We'll talk to you next Monday. All right. It's, Thanks, man. I'll see you. It's Jeremy Con. Joins us every Monday here on GCR. We are winding down for a Monday edition of the program. We will get a tidbit. Tidbit brought to you by Simply the Bets, which returns tomorrow. I get, by the way, quickly on the finals. I really just said everything that I feel about it. I I thought Golden State would win coming into the series. That was how I felt. I just thought ultimately they had too much. I have probably not given Boston nearly their flowers. Um, uh, uh, Rita, my, my Sunday partner, her boyfriend, always likes to remind me of that, that I have not given Boston nearly enough credit at any point during the course of this postseason. They're a very good team, but I ultimately believe that when Golden State is clicking, they have more. When they're at their best, they have more to offer. I didn't learn a lot through these two games. I I don't know what to expect the rest of the series. Again, from a sheer looking at it objectively perspective, Boston would have a slight advantage. I would give them about a 54% chance of winning the series because they now have home court advantage. It's a best of five series, and they get to play three of them in Boston. But I don't think their home court advantage is so significant that Golden State doesn't win at least one of those games. So I'm in a weird place. I I just think that we all want to make sweeping statements because we want to feel like we know, and there is still a lot to be determined about this series a lot to be determined about who's going to ultimately win this series i i just don't think we know once upon a time um the Allen iverson and the sixers won game one on the road against the lakers and then lost all four games the rest of the series now i don't think that that sixers team is nearly as good as the celtics team is and i don't think that this Warriors team, I think this Warriors team as a whole is as good as that Lakers team or maybe better, but it certainly doesn't have the top-heavy Shaquille O'Neal and Kobe Bryant combination. But these things happen sometimes. Sometimes teams just play really good games or really good quarters or one player has an absurd, and that alters things. So I know nothing about how the next five games are going to go. It is an utter crapshoot to me. I get it. You give a slight, objectively, you give a slight advantage to Boston given the circumstances, but I still think that Golden State on the whole is the better team. It's just who wins three or five games, and I, I don't have that answer. All right, tidbit brought to you by Simply the Bets. That returns tomorrow. We will be talking a lot about the finals. On Simply the Bets, 11.40 a.m., we do it every Tuesday, brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Simply the Bets, better than all the rest. Join us tomorrow morning at 11.40 for Simply the Bets. What you got? All right, so the biggest deal in Baltimore tonight, uh, Maryland baseball, take on UConn. Um, we talked to Dan Hughes, uh, who's calling the game tonight, and you guys discussed uh, you know, the grueling schedule that is that the regional tournaments, you know, the four games and... Well, they can days. be. You can be yeah. play five. You know, like yeah, Maryland. Five, yeah, team that, if five a team games. loses on Saturday, they would have to play two games on two. Sunday to just force a game five. Now, there's also series where a team wins three games and it's over very quickly, right? Right. Like, that, that one team wins Friday, Saturday, Sunday. They get out of it. If UConn had won last night, they had beat Maryland in extra innings, right. they would have played three games this weekend and moved on. Um, but, yeah, so 
they put, there's a lot of baseball going on in college baseball right now. Um, so I'm not sure your knowledge of Maryland baseball stats. So I didn't think I wanted to quiz you on that. So I just want to know if you can guess how long the longest game in college baseball ever was. <laughs> Come on, man. You mean like time-wise, innings-wise? Innings. Innings. 30. No, less. Okay. Believe it or not. I mean, this is really the trivia for today? That, yeah. I mean, this, was not, this was not a good one. All right. This is not a good one. All right. It's better when you're guessing names and you're guessing, like, yeah. just guessing a number is not a good. What what you can tell me what? All it right, it's twenty five. It was played between Texas and Boston College okay. in the regional, the Austin regional in two thousand nine. I'm sure it was seven hour game. I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was swell. Um, Do you know what the longest one in? Uh, who played in the longest? Uh, game in D- Division Three baseball. I don't. Johns Hopkins. Salisbury last season. Okay. In uh, how in many the, hours? That many one innings? was that was actually played. They had to suspend the game, and so that one was played across six and a half hours over a twenty six hour. But how many spin. innings was it? That one was twenty three. Twenty three. Yeah. All right. All right. How long Maryland? Can you guess how long the longest game Maryland played in? Seventeen. Nineteen. Okay. <laughs> Nineteen ninety nine. Sure. Sure. All these games are very really low scoring too, which is I find interesting. Um, no, it won't be it the case. It kind of makes sense because if you get a high-scoring game, then it's more likely that a team's yeah. you know going to score in one inning, and another team doesn't. They kind of have to stay low-scoring in order for them to go that long. Um, Here's the hoping that there are no games that go that long. Yes, yes, I certainly hope that for the sake of the team. Although, if that's what it takes to win, ultimately yeah. at the end of the day, just hope they win. All right, very good. Today's uh, Totally Tubular brought to you by Live Casino and Hotel on the FanDuel Sportsbook. That's where you want to be for all of the finals games. Finals get back underway on Wednesday, Game 3 Wednesday, Game 4 on Friday. No basketball Saturday or Sunday this week, which is butt weird. Don't know why that's the case, but that's what they're doing. Um, anyway, want to be there Wednesday or Friday for Games 3 or 4? I believe that's Jonathan Lamont. Do you want to talk to him? Is it? Yeah. Eh, sure, bring him on. <laughs> it's, been, it's been a while. We're going to finish that chat with John Lamar. Um, weird. Weird. If not, it's fine. It's fine. It's. I assure you it's fine. No big deal that we didn't make it work. Um John Lamar joined us earlier, and we got disconnected. We had, We were well into the chat at that point. Um, so it wasn't the end of the world. I, I mean, I had more questions that I could ask him, but he, you know, we were getting short answers and I was just like, yeah, you know, it's fine. I, you know, we, we learned a couple of things about why he wanted to come to Maryland. Um, if he wanted to buzz back in, sure, by all means, but we, we, you know, we got to wrap up here in a second anyway. Anyway, uh, games three and four, you'll want to be in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, 61 self-service kiosks that you can use to get your bets in. Whew. Still just barely holding on here. Just barely working through it. You did email, a great job. Email Get events through. at sportssocialmd.com in order to reserve your spot in the FanDuel Sportsbook. As we mentioned, UConn, Maryland tonight at 7 on ESPNU. The winner of that one will advance to the Super Regionals next weekend to face the winner of Stanford or Texas State. If it's Stanford, it will be out in Palo Alto. If it's Texas State, Maryland could host as long as they win tonight. So big scenarios in both places. UConn, Maryland, tonight at 7 on ESPNU. Uh, Women's College World Series semifinals right now. Oklahoma, UCLA underway on ESPN. Oklahoma State, Texas at 7. MLB Network, Mets Padres at 9.30. Manny Machado versus Buck Showalter. Give you some feels there. TNT tonight for game four of the Western Conference Finals in the NHL. The Avalanche try to finish off a sweep of the Oilers. That's at 8.00. 
UEFA Nations League this afternoon on Fox Sports 1. Croatia and France at 245 in the USA Network for WWE Monday Night Raw at 8 as well. Some non-sports highlights. Not a ton tonight. Uh, season 14 premiere of American Ninja Warrior. Ah, San Antonio is where they're at tonight. We certainly so. won't miss that. Yeah. Uh, Netflix just dropped a new Bill Burr special. Don't know okay. Some comedy fans interested in that. There's a new episode of Ms. and Mrs. Mm. in the USA. Mm. It's the season premiere, I believe, of Ms. and Mrs. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, otherwise, yeah, pretty pretty slow. There's a there's a Bill Clinton documentary. We've on, reached on that we've reached that time of the year where yeah. uh, the content slows down a bit for the summer, which is frustrating because I I've got the time. The basketball finals are ending. I've got the time. Although tonight I'll be watching Maryland baseball. All right, very good. Thanks today to uh, Jonathan Lamoth. Thanks also to Dana Hughes as well as Jeremy Kahn. We'll get all that up in the greatest hits section of the archive. Got to be sharper on it. Quicker on the trigger. Tab at glennclarkradio.com. On the program tomorrow, as we mentioned, Peter Gammons is going to join us. He wrote something about the Orioles for The Athletic. We'll also chat with Jose Quas. Great story of the former Terp who has now made the majors with the Kansas City Royals after being a FedEx driver at one point. We will chat with him and um, stuff and things tomorrow on the program as well. Thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including the Charm City Match, Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, the Baltimore Police, Great Eights Memorabilia, the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, the Baltimore Orioles, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass is how you follow him on Twitter. Thanks to Ryan at Rexpecs. Ryan, follow us at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter and Instagram. Have a great Monday night. Go Terps. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks too.